folks. Welcome to episode 62 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. So this week, uh, Joe and I are going to have a bit of a more in-depth look at a vulnerability that I mentioned in last week's episode, which was in sudo. So we're going to have a bit of a chat about that later on in the episode. Plus, actually, we've got a new uh, position opening as a robotic security engineer in the team. So we'll talk a bit about that as well. Uh, but first, as always, I'm going to go through last week's up to, uh, last week's security updates. Uh, as I say, first up, we actually do have sudo, so we released um, the corresponding update for sudo in uh, our both our extended security maintenance releases, which is 12.04 and 14.04. Uh, so if you want to know a bit more about that, uh, you can listen back to last week's episode. But uh, coming up, as I said, Joe and I will actually discuss this one in a bit more detail. So I'll leave that till then. Uh, we also had an update for OpenSMT PD, uh, one CVE that was for Bionic and Eowyn. Uh, this was actually got a fair bit of press because uh, OpenSMT is used as the uh, default SMTP daemon in uh, OpenBSD. Uh, but not in Ubuntu. However, um, we did we have updated because we do ship it. Uh, so this was a logic bug that caused the existing sanity checks that are in place there for the mail from field uh, to be skipped under certain conditions. And so if you could get it to not do these sanity checks, you could then inject things like shell meta characters and get it to do uh, command execution via the shell. And because it runs as root, you would get root command execution uh, as a remote user. So a pretty sweet bug. Uh, so yeah, this was a change just to simply make sure that those sanity checks were always done on the mail from field. So yeah, pretty straightforward update, but uh, not a great bug, particularly for OpenBSD. But uh, yeah, that has been fixed if anyone is using that on Ubuntu now as well. We had an update for systemd, so five different CVEs were rolled into this, and this was kind of spread across uh, Xenial, Bionic, and Eowyn. Uh, there was a user after free uh, that was triggered or able to be triggered when it was handling uh, both policy kit queries uh, and DBus messages at the same time. Uh, there was kind of a code path where it would then inadvertently you know, reuse one of these pointers. And so you could possibly get uh, root privilege escalation out of that because system T runs as root. Uh, there was also a possible sandbox escape when using the dynamic user property on a, a system service and a another case of actually if you use dynamic user where you could end up creating set UID and set group ID binaries that could then be used uh, after the fact to escalate privileges as well. Uh, both of these were, I guess, initially treated as low priority because there aren't many systemd services that make use of the dynamic user property. Plus, you actually need some cooperation between that systemd you know, service and you know, something outside of it to actually be able to take advantage of these. Um, but yeah, they've also been fixed. Plus, there was a memory link in LoginD that was fixed here as well. And another bug where it was possible to get systemd to kill the wrong process uh, if you or if you could write to its PID file because it didn't go and actually validate the PID that was in the PID file. So yeah, that was fixed as well. Arm um, embed, uh, TLS library uh, was updated as well. Five different CVEs here. Uh, these were for the version in Xenial. Uh, as I say, this is a lightweight crypto library and uh, in particular, it had an injured overflow that would lead to a heap overflow. Uh, so because this is a heap memory corruption, you could possibly get uh, remote code execution or at least a denial of service by crashing uh, that application. There's also a read buffer overflow uh, in handling of uh, various certificate chains. So again, another denial of service through that. And finally, there are a couple different cache side channel attacks that could be mounted against uh, different uh, 
cipher block chaining uh, mode ciphers. Uh, so basically that's where you, know, you encrypt the block and then you, for the next block that needs to be encrypted, you feed back in that original encrypted block. And the way they implemented that, yeah, allowed a couple of different side uh, side channel attacks to be mounted where you could potentially recover uh, partial plain text as a result. We had an update for Exib2. So this is the library for handling various image metadata. Uh, in particular, there was an infinite loop in the JP2 uh, metadata parser. So this would likely result in a CPU-based denial of service. So that was fixed for Xenial, Bionic, and Eowyn. Uh, here's something we haven't seen for a while, a vulnerability in Mesa. So this is kind of the uh, graphics stack really, uh, does all of the OpenGL handling and things like that. Uh, so one CV that was fixed for Bionic and Eowyn. In this case, they were creating a bunch of different shared memory segments in different drivers. Then uh, these are often used for back buffers and things to improve performance. However, these were created with uh, 777, you know, well readable and writable permissions. So any user that could uh, you know, access that could interfere with or be able to read from that shared memory segment and you know, could snoop on uh, your graphics data basically. And so it was a simple change just to actually fix permissions on those to make it uh, just 400 so that they were only um, readable and writable by the existing user. We also had an update for Pillow. This is the Python image library. Uh, six different CVEs that were rolled into this for uh, trusty extended security maintenance, Xenial, Barnick, and Eowyn. Uh, in this case, they have had a bunch of different, you know, errors in handling of various image formats. Uh, most of these resulting in crash and therefore a denial of service, but uh, possible code execution because a bunch of them were related to memory corruption. Uh, we also had an update for Report Lab and again, another Python library. And this one is used for uh, creating PDFs. Uh, in this case, it was possible remote code execution via a crafted XML document because uh, there was a certain code path there where it would eval uh, one of the arguments to determine what color to use. And so you could therefore have your XML document uh, specify a color that was actually Python code and it would get evaluated. And so you'd have a very straightforward way of doing uh, remote code execution, but that has thankfully been fixed now. We also had an update for MariaDB, uh, one CVE that uh, was for Bionic and Eowyn. Uh, back in episode 60, I talked about an update for MySQL. Uh, this is the corresponding update for MariaDB because MariaDB is a fork of MySQL. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have really any details about this from upstream, but this does update it to the latest upstream point release for MariaDB, so that, that has been done. We had an update for QT, the graphic stack, uh, four different CVEs that were fixed in Xenial, Barnick, and Eowyn. Uh, two of these were possible code execution bugs because QT would search for plugins or libraries in incorrect locations. So if you were a local attacker, you could potentially get QT to execute code um, you know, as some other user because you know, they go and then include your plugin or your library inadvertently. And then there was a couple different uh, buffer overflow vulnerabilities in the handling of PPM images and also in text files that contained many Unicode directional characters. We also had an update for libxml2. Uh, this was for all of our supported releases, including our extended security maintenance releases. So that is precise and trusty extended security maintenance, Xenial, Barnick, and Eowyn. Uh, there was an infinite loop which could be triggered when parsing crafted XML documents and there was also a memory leak that was fixed there. 
we had an update for the Ubico uh, PIV, Personal Identity, Identity Verification Tools. Uh, this was for Bionic and uh, these are used so to essentially use your um, YubiKey as a smart card. So you can you know, authenticate and things as you would uh, with a smart card, but actually using your YubiKey. Uh, there were a couple of different buffer overflows there that would be able to be triggered by a malicious USB device. So if you were able to uh, create a malicious, malicious USB device that looked like a YubiKey, but then went and behaved quite differently, you could possibly trigger these, but they've been fixed. And finally, we had an update for libexif. Uh, this was three CVEs that were again for all of our supported releases, which is um, 1204 and 1404 extended security maintenance, Xenial, Bionic and Eowyn. Uh, in this case, uh, there was a buffer overflow, so that would result in your usual crash or possible code execution and a couple different buffer overreads. So these would normally result in a crash, but maybe information disclosure if it wasn't reading outside of valid memory. Yeah, so that's it for this week in security updates. So next up, Joe and I thought it would be uh, useful to discuss uh, this recent pseudo vulnerability that got a fair bit of press. And uh, yeah, I first mentioned it last week, but yeah, we thought we should talk about it in a bit more detail. Hey Joe, how's things? Things are great, Alex. How are you doing? I'm quite good. Yeah. Uh, same old, same old, really. Well, if you if you recall from last week's call, I could barely talk, and now now I'm at like eighty yes. percent, which for the people who work on our team probably are mad at that. But anyhow, I'm I'm psyched on it. So yeah. it's another yeah, week, you Alex. Sound like your old and, self, Joe. It's good. And I, I'm going to bug you again with what are you reading or watching? We'll go with reading or watching. Yes. Yeah, so no, uh, I'm still reading Reem D, so that's, uh, I don't know, yeah. But um, I have been watching a bunch of videos, actually, recordings from uh, different conferences. I was watching some stuff um, from Fosdom, Leonard Pottering's talk on SystemD HomeD, which sounds quite interesting. So a way of SystemD kind of automatically managing home directories, and you can have, say, your home directory on a USB stick, and it not just has the contents, but it also has, like, your... The, concept of who you are and you could have it automatically be encrypted as a lux volume and the cool things like that um so anyway yeah it's interesting awesome. from a security point of view too well yeah kind of you you obviously the machine has to trust this home directory or the home directory is to trust the machine too i suppose both ways um and so yeah it has this like cryptographic signatures on it and as i say encryption built in and, and all kinds of cool stuff and then i was watching one from Oh, I can't remember where it was from now, but it was Alexa Sarai talking about securing container runtimes and all the old vulnerabilities in those. So things like Docker and Runcy and, and all that. And his is like super technical on how containers have to do weird things with namespaces and whatnot to be able to get, you know, be containers and then how bad things can happen as a result. So anyway, yeah, I've been watching nerdy stuff. That's awesome. I think there was a um, a vo I think there was a problem with it with me with something. Maybe was it was it Docker Hub? Um, I could be wrong. Um, where they had leaked a bunch of data um, because of incorrect uh, settings on some storage, and so um, I'll find it. Uh, I'll find it in yeah. thread post after this. I, no, I remember reading that. Yeah, it was about how organizations are at risk by having their own Docker registries and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Um, Maybe hopefully I haven't besmirched uh, the good name of, of Docker Hub. Maybe it wasn't them, but anyhow, um, uh, I am currently um, reading Expeditionary Force Volume Nine. 
um, Valkyrie by um, Craig Allenson, which is an awesome uh, sci-fi series. If you haven't read it, it's pretty awesome because it it's um, not dystopian, which is pretty rare these days in sci-fi. So I like it. And, and as far as watching, oh, I mean, Better Call Saul season four is on Netflix. So if you're a fan of um, Breaking Bad, um, it's sort of an offshoot of that, which is pretty good. Awesome. So, but people didn't come here to listen to us talk about movies and books and TV and whatnot. They came to hear us nerd out on security. What are we going to talk yeah, about this so week? So this week, yeah, this week we were going to talk about this pseudo, 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 pseudo I don't know, pseudo vulnerability. Um, yeah, so this is... I, I always say sudo because it's super user do. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know. And I just read it and I so I say it's sudo because, <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure you're right. It is sudo. Yeah. And maybe I made up super user do, but anyhow. Sudo. Yeah. No, uh, no, that's true. That's correct. Um, so, yeah, this is a vulnerability that was found by Joe Venix at Apple and it was related to uh, sudo where you know, a user can essentially uh, break sudo uh, by, I think this was a um, Stack Overflow, was it? They were doing to do this uh, and the, it happened in a particular configuration. So you had to enable this password feedback option. Yeah, PW feedback. Yeah. And if you, was it if you, if you put a star in? as a password um an asterisk then it would break yeah no you had to yeah just a really long one i think to overflow it um and so the what i guess was interesting here is it was only on this particular code path right where it was going to yeah print out asterisks as, as you type oh, yeah, your password yeah. right you're correct yeah so right. you know normally so so in ubuntu we don't enable this option uh, out of the box mm-hmm. as people would probably be familiar when you run a sudo uh, you type your password in but there's no feedback as you type it you know it's just nothing gets printed as you type each of those characters yeah. whereas say usually on i don't know a web form or even on the gdm login screen you type your password mm-hmm. and you get you know asterisks or little round dots appearing right for each character that you type yep. But you can enable yeah, PW feedback or password feedback in your sudoers file that for every character you type, you'll get a little asterisk printed. And so then it takes this other code path where I guess it's probably reading in you know, the password and buffering it and printing out a thing for each one or whatever it's doing. And so it must have had this buffer on the stack that uh, could then be overflown. So as I say, we don't enable this out of the box in Ubuntu. So users were you know, safe from this vulnerability. However, we have patched it. Um, we published those updates last week and I mentioned this kind of in passing just as you know, the update in last week's podcast. But we thought we'd talk a bit more about sudo in general uh, and how I guess it's been a, you know, it's a privileged component and it allows you obviously to temporarily you know, obtain root privileges to do various things. And it has all different ways that you can configure it. Uh, this PW feedback is only one of a number of ways that it can be configured. You know, it has to do funny things like sanitize environment variables and all kinds of things that can be used to potentially, I guess, um, have unintended consequences because you allow something with your pseudo configuration, but uh, it inadvertently then allows other things to occur as a result that aren't immediately obvious. Well, let's step back for a second and talk about why you'd want to use sudo. So. I get this question a, a, a lot when I when I used to do, I'll say, vulnerability assessments or consulting and whatnot. And you'd find out an organization all shared the root password for something. You're like, well, yeah, it's a secure password restored in 
in a um, in a stash Place somewhere. Like, yeah, you're like, well, it's not secure because you're sharing it. But okay, um, so. Well, what's the problem? Okay, well, it's shared, and why is that so bad? Well, let's say you and I are admins, Alex, and we go into a system to um, to make a change for uh, some, you know, to fix a problem or push out some new code. We log in as root because we're sharing a password, and then make our changes, and it breaks. <clears throat> well, how do I get accountability? There's no accountability when there's no um, when there when there's a shared password. I don't know that you logged in or I logged in because it just shows root logged in and an IP address, but you're in, a, you're in a, uh, a corporate environment, so you've got DHCP, so you can't track it back. Um, then, beyond this no accountability, we're in the same organization, and you leave. Well, now I need to change passwords for root on every single box, right? Um, that's time-consuming, and let's be honest, not everybody does that. Um, yep. So that's, the whole re- that's a reason to do that. Now, there's another reason you use it. If everybody logs in as root, it's really easy to have a self-inflicted wound, and that's just making a mistake. I mean, who hasn't removed a directory by mistake by being in the you know being in the wrong folder and doing rm minus rf on something, right? But you're in the wrong folder, yep. so now you removed your entire operating system. Well, you know, root you can do that quite a bit more powerfully if you're, everything you're doing is root. So if you're logged in as a normal user and you escalate to root um, by using sudo for only specific commands, you really help mitigate that. Um, additionally, sudo does tracking for commands. So if you do sudo foo, it'll show up. Is it in secure log or off that log? I can't remember. It's in one of those two logs. The command you run will show yeah. up in there. Um, so you get some accountability now. And if you're a good security person, you've got remote logging enabled. And you also see failed sudo attempts and everything going into your sim. And you can even trigger on it. So um, I, I, used to, I used to be a professor. And I taught this one class on, um, on secure coding. And I gave every student VMs. And so I wouldn't give them root, but I give them sudo to do everything. You say, okay, well, why'd you do that? Because I still wanted them to be able to install software, do everything they need, and I didn't want to lock it down. Plus, they're students, they need to be able to break things to learn how to fix them. So probably every three days, I'd get an email. My machine stopped working. I don't know what happened. I was just typing, right? So I'd go into the syslog server and look, and they did sudo chmod minus r. 777 slash Etsy slash something to fix a problem because, you know, PHP or Python or something couldn't read a file and that would break SSH, right? And so that's, yep. so sudo does have its problems, right? It's not, if you're giving all, which is the default if you're in the sudoers group, um, to, uh, to be able to do something. So you're not, you're not completely mitigating things, but you are making it, uh, you're making it more difficult to do these self-inflicted wounds. Now, um, when I first started using sudo um, back in the day, you could put in um, a path. You didn't have to put in a fully qualified path for every every command. So if you want to give someone sudo to just restart Apache because they're your support team. So you give sudo um, user sbin Apache CTL and they can do restart, right? Or um, sudo uh, user sbin um, systemctl, et cetera, right? Give them the whole command. Um, you used to not have to do that. You could just put in the... Um, just put in Apache CTL. Well, what people would do is they would go in and create their own file in their home directory and run sudo dot slash foo, and that would just escalate them to root and do whatever they want. Um, but now it looks like sudo has removed that as an option. But still, people give the ability to run like bash scripts as sudo, but they've given that person the ability to edit that bash script. So why wouldn't you just make yep. the first line bit you know bash and just yep. do what you want? 
And then if you do, um, I always encourage people to do this, um, do sudo vi something, sudo vi foo. Then hit escape colon bash and run who am I? What would your user ID be? It'd be one, because now you're root. So, um, so you know, sudo does have its problems, but it has its, it's a powerful tool that will let you really um, mitigate a ton of security risks and also give you accountability and um, let you compartmentalize some of that risk by locking down the commands they can run, etc. So um, sudo has its place, and there was one problem, but I think we got it wasn't by default. It wasn't a default option in in, in Ubuntu, and the patch was out. I think before the CVE was even made public, right? Yeah, we had that out pretty quick. Uh, this you know this option is actually enabled for some downstream distributions based on Ubuntu, like Linux Mint and Elementary. They had enabled um, PW feedback, so if you are a user for one of those, you definitely mm-hmm. want to make sure you've got that update um, from us. But yeah, I mean, like you said, Joe, sudo is it's cool, right? It's much better than just having a root user as you know, things generally were before that where, yes, as a normal user, you would um, su dash to root and you're now kind of unconstrained. Uh, there's no, like you said, there's not much logging. There's not much um, control over that and you can't choose to really lock it down any other way. You either have everything or nothing. Uh, out of the box in Ubuntu, it still is kind of like that because we give um, sudo access to everyone in the admin and sudo groups. So uh, when you install Ubuntu, you know, the first user that gets created is in that admin group. So they have that ability, but you can, for other users, like you said, kind of apportion out sudo access just to run particular commands. But that does get tricky. It is, um, depending on, like you said, if that command is VI and even if it's VI to edit a particular file because of what VI can do, um, that could be tricky. There are ways that you can still try to lock it sudo down so that it will try to stop that command doing exec of other things, but um, it does get really hard. So sudo is useful, but it is you really need to know what you're doing with it if you're going to try to use some of its more advanced features. Yeah. So um, for folks out there who aren't using sudo for everything, you totally should. It's a great tool. Had a bug, but so does all software. And we fixed it, and we'll continue yep. to fix it. Um, I think... I think we've covered that one, Alex. Everybody, thank yeah. you for listening. But I wanted to also mention we have a new opening on the robotics team, which is part of the security group here at Canonical. So if you go to uh, canonical.com slash careers or look at the Ubuntu underscore sec Twitter, you'll see a link to the job. Um, if you're the type of person who is a security person who has a pile of Raspberry Pis, um, Arduinos, has made LEDs blink via code, uh, has used RAS, definitely... Um, you know, apply for that job. We'll also have a few more coming up um, to add to our certifications team, um, which is the group that makes uh, uh, Ubuntu FIPS compliant and CIS compliant. So if you've got experience with that, we'll, um, we'll have an opening there. Um, and then uh, uh, two more openings in the next few weeks that we'll have on the security team. So keep an eye out on the careers page. And if you have any questions, you can always reach out to me or our Twitter or, um, or Alex. So thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Thanks, Joe. You have a great week as well. And thanks again, Joe. I'll talk to you next week. And so I thought I would just mention again uh, in the show notes, I've put a link to that open position for the robotic security engineer. So if you are interested in that, if you dig ROS or if you've worked with ROS and you have an interest in security and you like robots and you want to help make ROS more secure, uh, please, I urge you to check that out. Uh, We would love to have you on our team. All right, so that is it for this week's episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening again for another week. 
As usual, if you want to get in contact with the Ubuntu security team, you can reach us at security at ubuntu.com uh, or you can come and chat to us in the Ubuntu Harden channel on the Freenode IRC network, irc.freenode.net. Uh, we also have the security section on discourse.ubuntu.com and finally, as Joe said, if you want to find us on Twitter, we are at Ubuntu underscore sec. Yeah, so thanks again for listening again for another week, folks. Uh, it's been great doing this all again and I will speak to you all next week. But until then, keep calm because we've got your back. All right, bye.